Podcasting from Boston, Massachusetts, the city of innovation, education, and of course, Fenway Park, this is TI Clergy Corner, bringing you timely, insightful, and impactful sermons from Temple Israel of Boston. In this episode, we'll hear Rabbi Elaine Zecker's Shabbat Awakenings, a reflection as we make our way towards Shabbat entitled, I Was in Israel. Those who are on site, I want you to follow my pointing finger, and if the camera can get over here, to look at that flag. If someone gave you that flag, would you wave it? Now, if you go to the protests in Israel, as I did, held each Saturday night after Shabbat, you will find angry and curious and frustrated and active citizens. They represent the diversity of the Israeli community. You might conclude the people's relationship with the current government is a mess, and it is. Police present, some on horses whose legs are much longer than I am tall, Drums beating and horns blasting with loads, loads of Israeli flags waving. Everyone gets a flag. They handed them out from the beginning of the protests. They are everywhere. Everyone chants, democracy, except with an Israeli accent. And then at the end, Something happens that is not messy at all. The sound of Hatikva, the national anthem, fills the air, voices singing, flags swaying. And then people either march in Jerusalem toward the prime minister's house or home. It was eerily peaceful. During the time I was in Jerusalem and for a short while, Tel Aviv, much of life moved about in ordinary ways, beaches filling up with umbrellas and family outings, which I was there and saw, restaurants humming with business, people waiting for the bus or pushing strollers, many strollers from a baby boom, the full array of life and individuals living their lives, protests, flags waving, people living their lives. It's the full experience of a nation. But we know that trouble has been brewing, something that threatens to create a wide breach for the land and the people. In a week when we commemorated Tisha B'Av, the destruction of the two temples in 586 BCE by the Babylonians and in 70 CE by the Romans that ended the Jewish commonwealth, the comparison in our own day is all too real. Those ancient moments of Jewish sovereignty in history had a similar time frame of existence as Israel has been a state today. They became overruled by zealots, and they corrupted power to serve themselves. What is different is that the concept of governmental checks and balances was not even a twinkle in their eyes. 
We read from Lamentations as part of Tisha B'Av. See, O Eternal One, I am distressed. My innards are roiled. My heart churns within me. This is how so many feel in Israel today. I feel this way too. And maybe you do as well. As distressed and roiled as we may be, it doesn't mean the end of this very challenged third Jewish commonwealth. It does mean, however, that the threat of a spiritual destruction looms large, as the writer and philosopher Yuval Noah Harari called it in an op-ed piece in Haaretz. The inner life and existence of the nation may implode. As we dig deeper and articulate more of the issues and what is at stake, I want to be clear. This moment in time is a time for us to lean in and not pull out. We need to understand the situation because unlike the previous Jewish commonwealths over 2,000 years ago, the Jewish diaspora exists in a way that would have been impossible in ancient times. We still have a voice. The message tonight is to stay engaged, learn more, because we are responsible for one another. Now, I'm going to try to, to bring to light some of the various issues, and we'll explain all of them so that when you leave here, you will be very clear on everything that is happening. Just kidding. As many of you know, I have been engaged with the Shalom Hartman Institute as part of a cohort of rabbis from across the denomination to study together in Jerusalem in a multi-year rabbinic leadership institute. The pandemic extended our participation. We have studied Israel, Judaism, Jewish ritual, and the meaning of liberal ideas and ideology separate from denominations and politics. The Hartman Institute is not a political organization. It's a Beit Midrash, a place of study. And that is what I have been doing these past four years when I have traveled to Israel and each week on Wednesdays between the travel to Israel. The Hartman Institute prides itself on the idea of Hartman Torah, citing a passage from the Tosefta, kind of the part that didn't get into the Mishnah but got into the Talmud, that the heart has many rooms. I want to say that again, that the heart has many rooms. The attitude and approach that there are many perspectives worthy of consideration and study animates the way learning happens. These words from the Talmud stimulates the Beit Midrash and the Chavruta experience. These and these are the living words of God. We make peace and exist with others when we are willing to understand the other's perspective, even though we may totally disagree. So I want to share with you a larger picture. And you may, in your mind, totally disagree with what you hear me say. And that is okay. But maybe we can understand a little bit of why all of this is happening 
and not see every side as evil. Although there are some sides that are evil. I will say that. Okay. From what I have called from my learning at Hartman, and I admit that I can't summarize fully, but I will try nonetheless, the underlying challenges that Israel faces has been building for years, decades actually. Power in the government is off balance. There is no constitution. So who decides if the law is acceptable or reasonable? Their version of the attorney general, which in Hebrew is the advisor to the laws of the government, which is just a very plain job description, advised what could be regarded as law. Over the years, the elected members of Knesset could make laws, but then those laws could easily be voted down by the Supreme Court based on the advice of the attorney general. As a result, the governing body elected by the people would be robbed of their legislative power. Many on the conservative side have held deep resentment with this shift in power long before this particular Knesset. Those on the left regard the Supreme Court as the ultimate protector of rights and to ensure there won't be discrimination. Since 1992, the basic law, which in some way is a building block of a constitution, but it is not the constitution, the basic law that was added of human dignity and liberty has helped to secure such rights. One side claims its power is constantly being usurped by the court. They look at the past of what has happened. The other side worries that the court won't be able to protect the rights of the individual and those who are vulnerable. They worry about the future. These issues have been simmering for years with the potential to boil over and scald the nation. And this is what we are witnessing now. Netanyahu took a very specific approach when he created this particular Knesset. He allowed a kind of gathering of ministers and leaders who had particular agenda to serve themselves. From the place where I sit, and I think many of the protesters, the majority that now rules potentially teeters on a theocracy with little concern for minorities, the Palestinian people, women, non-religious people. That would include us because there is only one way in from the Haredi perspective to be Jewish. And there, the concern for Arab citizens and LGBTQ rights. Well, it increases ultra-Orthodox rabbinic authority and overreach. The benevolence will be for themselves as they have clearly articulated publicly when they agreed to be part of the majority coalition. Its ministers and its ideology misrepresents half the country, built upon a coalition that doesn't articulate concern or act in a way that cares about those citizens, what those citizens think. Netanyahu has built a dangerous coalition and has appointed 
and truly, this is well-known, dishonest and inappropriate ministers in this cabinet. Now, we history, history buffs and students of American history, we know James Madison and the Federalist Papers. And he emphasized that what protects, protects us from the power of politicians is not their personalities, but structure of government itself. He understood the protective force of checks and balances. And that is what is going on in Israel, is a very quick movement to try to fix something that many have seen as wrong, not just on the far right, many have seen as wrong, moving way too fast in ways that are hurtful and dangerous. And let me give you an example. On Wednesday, an Israeli reform rabbi quoted one of the ministers in the majority coalition who sought to explain the real source of all the troubles. Want to guess? Reform Jews. It's clear. Israel Eichler, Knesset member and a Haredi leader, asserted that, and this is a quote, today's anarchy is organized by the reform assimilators, much like the Arab revolt. This is not a national or class struggle. Rather, it is a war between a culture of evil and the existence of a Jewish state. Do you see how easy it is? to make the other so evil. Now, that piece to me is an important message of how we move forward. Because I think it's actually a huge compliment that he thinks reform and liberal Jews hold such authority. So as reformed Jews, here and thinking about there, our voice matters. The ending of this period in history remains unwritten. The true resolution will occur before our eyes, and a new kind of Israeli identity is rising up. And this is something we spent a lot of time this summer, this past summer, at Hartman. Commitment to Israel no longer has to be from the religious Zionists who claim Israel, as we have seen here, in unrighteous ways. The protests show that the flag and Israel belong to many more. The opposite of or the counter to religious Zionists is not unreligious Zionists or non-religious Zionists or even secular Zionists. This group, this group that has made the center really stand up and pay attention is actually opening up the possibility to create and to really reinforce the idea of a liberal Zionism. A liberal Zionism that includes ritual and Jewish life and Jewish practice and an understanding of the story of Zionism and to be able to be inclusive to recognize the danger of the kind of agenda of the settlement building for the Palestinian people, of the way that Arabs and the laws can be so discriminatory, 
That is a way of thinking about liberal Zionism in a very different way that is inclusive, expansive, opening to recognize the rights of everyone who are part of the land of Israel. This group has reclaimed patriotism and has shown that their voice matters, and it includes reform Jews. It's a new hope of many generations joined together, yearning for a better path forward. So let's shine the light there. So I end with this request. Let's keep talking and asking questions. Rabbi Oberstein and I will stay after the Oneg. We're going to take a seat and bring chairs around and sit with those who want to continue and to talk more. And there are cards for you to take that might be showing on the screen. And also it's going to go in the chat for those to create your own card. And this gives some, uh, some recommendations about connecting with the reform movement. And the voice of the reform movement is very important. I've also uh, put uh, some podcasts that are part of Hartman that I have found very helpful in trying to understand this picture of what is going on. And we also at Temple Israel, thanks to members of the congregation, have our own, our very own Israel study guide that is uh, on our website. And you can find many wonderful, informative uh, articles and pieces of information um, to be able to broaden and help us understand what is going on. So I would like to end a very incomplete, I acknowledge a very incomplete attempt at trying to give some light and some meaning and some perspective to what is going on because the story is not written. It's not all done, and we're, gonna, we're going to keep talking and trying to figure out what is happening. I'd like to share the words from a song in Israel by Ahud Manor, Manor, and it's entitled, I Have No Other Country. Ein li eretz acheret. I have no other country, even if my land is aflame. Just a word in Hebrew pierces my veins and my soul with a painful body, with a hungry heart. Here is my home. I will not stay silent because my country changed her face. I will not give up reminding her and sing in her ears until she will open her eyes. May all of our eyes and ears and hearts be opened as we go forward. So may it be. Shabbat Shalom. And we turn to Alenu on the back inside cover of our prayer book, recognizing all that is upon all of us and that our destiny is tied to the fate of all the world, including Israel and all the land and the territories and all the people who live there. This has been a Temple Israel of Boston production. Join us next time for another episode of TI Clergy Corner.